Welcome to the Saints of San Francisco podcast, where we dive into work, faith, and fulfillment. This is a podcast for the modern Christian professional. I'm your host, Isaac Hall. Good afternoon or good morning or good evening, Saints. It's based on when you're listening to this new episode. Uh, We're continuing on with the mental health series because we've gotten so much good feedback on it. And so we're continuing on for another month. If I continue to get great feedback, then maybe we'll continue this on for another month. But I realize that, you know, a lot of people are hurting. Um, A lot of people have uprooted a lot of dark things, skeletons in their closets, and it's been um, catalyzed due to quarantine, due to folks losing jobs, due to the injustices and the issues with the AAPI community um, currently. But with that said, uh, I think it's very pertinent that we continue the series and we uh, give the people what they're asking for. Um, And hopefully this episode which is going to be an amazing episode, will bring value and and inspire people and give them perspective and insight that they didn't have before. Um, So with that said, Saints, uh, welcome back to the Mental Health Series. Today we have a very special guest, someone that I knew for half a decade now. Yes, five years when I first moved up to the Bay Area, and we'll talk a little bit about it. But today we have Iris Yu. Berkeley grad, software engineer, and now someone who's pivoting uh, into uh, product management. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, nothing else to say, to be honest. Such a powerful person, uh, such an explosive person um, in the best way possible that really speaks her mind. Very intelligent, very thoughtful and intentional about what she says. And obviously it's because you're a very deep thinker, Iris. So um, for the listeners who don't know you, uh, do you want to give a short self-intro if you have one? Yes. Um, I uh, thank you so much for your intro for me. I didn't even know how you would describe me. So it's interesting to hear uh, (laughs) what you've said. Um, My name is Iris. I am definitely a Berkeley grad. Um, I (laughs) go bears. Most Berkeley grads are pretty reluctant Berkeley grads, (laughs) Um, or at least they're pretty low key about it. So, uh, people on the, the cheesiness scale who are high on that scale would definitely say go bears. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all cheese. I didn't even go to Berkeley. (laughs) (laughs) You're cheesy enough, enough for us both. (laughs) um yeah I think I think Isaac you've you've covered everything uh that I currently am right now uh most recently software engineer now pivoting into product management uh but definitely not um married to the idea of it I think I've always considered myself just a person who is very curious very interested Mm -hmm. in how things work um very interested in the nuances of industries and problem spaces. Um, and I just like to explore things that I am interested in. Um, so that is hopefully how I will make my living for the rest of my life. <laughs> if not, uh, Saints, 
Iris is a power user of Clubhouse and also a uh, product management evangelist, I, I should say. Is that the right term, Iris? I mean, you're out there, you have like over 100 followers and you're talking about work, career transitions, tech, uh, and all things related to tech, right? Did I get that right? Yeah. Uh, currently, I'm trying to build my clout on Clubhouse. Um, Let's go. <laughs> I think that there are a lot of things I want to say, uh, and people seem to be listening. So uh, it's no one's no one's caught the ruse yet. So <laughs> find me on Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to start this off with an icebreaker question, and I kind of changed this up last minute. It's 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 still the same, but I, I realized the question was pretty broad. So so the question now is, what would you do if you knew you could not fail at that one endeavor? So like you you had to choose one thing, but you knew that like if you did that one thing, you would never fail. Like you would get a supernatural blessing to succeed at it. What would that one thing be? Gosh, so um, this question is still pretty broad. And as a product manager, one of our skills <laughs> is being able to clarify uh, ambiguity. So my uh, clarification question is like, is it an immediate thing? As in like this one thing, this one skill or this one endeavor that I choose, am I now immediately great at it? Or is it that like, if I just don't quit, then I'll win for sure. Yep, the latter. Great question. And so, okay, so it's not that I'm immediately, uh, sort of like if I had asked about if if I had said that I was I wanted to be like a bodybuilder or something, I wouldn't just immediately be buff. Yeah, you would work at it, but then you'd have the supernatural gifting of like not failing at it and being excellent at it, but you still have to work on it. As okay, as so I still have to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need to size my my work, you know. Um, okay, I think that I would choose um, the one thing would be effective prayer. And I say this um, because this is super, super broad. It's like anything that I pray for it will be blessed. Like I want that. Amen. Um, so it's not going to be immediate. So if I had asked for um, favor and blessing in bodybuilding, it's not going to be immediate, but God will listen and he will grant that. Yeah. And I want that, that ability to pray powerfully. Mm. Um, yeah. And actually when you think about it in reality, like, our prayers are actually that powerful. Like people have been raised from the dead in the Bible. And so we actually have that already. Yeah. That's a very good point. And I like your answer. I think it came from far left field. I was thinking of something completely different when you mentioned bodybuilding too as well. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So Great answer to the icebreaker. I'm pretty sure that's like top of the list or at least top of mind for a lot of Christians uh, now, especially because we're still not out of quarantine yet and the pandemic Mm -hmm. yet. 
and, and prayer is something that's super powerful that we could do within our capacity uh, being at home. Um, with that said, how, how are you, Iris? I feel like I really haven't caught up with you like this in a long time. And you're one of my first friends um, back in 2016 when you picked me up at Brisbane and we crossed the Bay Bridge together to get the church in Emeryville. We were going to Living Hope Christian Center at the time. And um, yeah, that's where that's the first time I met you. And, and then now, like, fast forward five years. And we're here and it's like, I don't think, we, you know, I followed your journey um, during quarantine, but how's everything going for you? Um, so many things I think happened in the pandemic for a lot of people. And for me personally, um, a quick recap would be, I was working as a software engineer in the beginning of the pandemic. I was a part of a company layoff due to COVID. So I was let go. Um, and I think I spent a bit of time finding myself or finding, yeah. finding is, is what I'll call a journey. Um, mm. I'm not even sure what I was really finding, but I did some finding of some kind. And I've come out of this finding. <laughs> um, and I am now, uh, pivoting in my career to product management and so oh, i'm declaring now on this podcast i'm already a product manager i just haven't been hired yet but that's what i do now man that's wicked and and you've already gotten a couple of interviews right or an interview for a product management role i feel like that would be i mean i wouldn't say the toughest transition because obviously you're going from being a software engineer uh, to a product role, which isn't unheard of. It's definitely, it, it makes sense, but I'm pretty sure it's still uh, difficult, especially in this climate and just how hot um, that role is. So um, yeah, did you want to even throw out your plug right now for Clubhouse? How do we even like find you? So if I if I was invited to the app, <laughs> which I was, uh, uh, shout outs to Daniel Kwok, thank you so much. And I went into Clubhouse. And I wanted to join your club or your room. How, how would that process work? How would I find you? You could just search for me. I'm at Iris U. That's I-R-I-S-Y-U. I'm, uh, that's my handle on Clubhouse. I talk about software engineering. I philosophize about tech as an industry as a whole. I talk about product management. Um, I... There's so many topics that I could talk about, and I definitely want to actually expand into mental health. I'm talking about that in a clubhouse, but yeah. I've got a lot of things I'm, I'm cooking up, at least in my mind. Um, and so I think people have to follow me on the journey because I'm still very, uh, my, <laughs> I'm not in full bloom yet, but I'm yeah. very confident that there's a lot of things that are going to be coming from me. Um, so yes, find me on Clubhouse at IrisU. Um, worst case, um, find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram. <laughs> I'm on there. <laughs> yeah, which which I'm just so I feel so blessed to to witness this, you know, to kind of see you quote unquote find yourself and and you know by no means was anyone 
going to fully find themselves. Everyone's evolving, changing, you know, falling down, getting back up. But consistently, I f- feel like even though you don't think of it this way, but I feel like you're one of those folks, even as, you know, a team Slytherin, um, you're actually quite sincere and you have a level of integrity and directness and truth. And I think your heart is just poised to be that way. And I think that was so refreshing. You know, when I first met you back in 2016 is that you have the heart to seek truth and you don't shy away from it, even though it might be a tough talk or it might go against your preconceived notions that you had before, or it might, you know, bruise your ego a little bit. You choose to consistently aim for the truth and voice that and, and, and find yourself within that construct of truth. So uh, thank you so much for just motivating me to better myself and to continue to speak the cold, hard truth, even though um, it might not be, it might not present itself to be the best case scenario for me and my own selfish needs. Um, so thank you for that. And, and I guess, you know, the first question that I had for you was last year was tough for everyone, especially with a lot of folks losing jobs. And there were so many other things on the radar that was happening. And and now obviously there's a lot of controversial things going on, but we could say that for a different episode, but you mentioned that you lost your job and now like you're on a roll, you haven't perfected this craft of going into, you know, product management and you're not like a total internet guru or anything on, like that but you're well on your path and you found your voice and you're being heard and people from different walks of life who didn't know you are you know coming on to clubhouse to um, listen to what you have to say and it really matters and so you're slowly building this clout so how have you kept your identity and your voice through all of this noise and do you have any tips for people going through similar situations like you This is a really big question um, because identity is such a big question for all of us. Um, I think that we spend a lifetime finding ourselves and figuring out who we are. Um, And I think during the pandemic, after I was laid off, it wasn't any different. I was still trying to find myself, figure out who I was. And I was not entirely happy as a software engineer, but I didn't, I was comfortable enough as a software engineer to keep doing it. And so I really think that it was God who removed me from this role and gave me time to ask questions of myself and ask questions of God. Um, I think that the something I think about often is one of the most common remarks or compliments that I've received in my lifetime is that I'm unique. It doesn't really tell you that much. That just compares me to other people yeah. and says that I'm not like them. But what does that mean? Like, who am I like? What am I like? I'm just not like other people. Um, and I never really understood that when I kept receiving these compliments throughout my lifetime. Like, I've received this 
remark as a child. I've yeah. received this in school. Yeah. I've received this as an adult from my coworkers at work. But what does that really mean? That doesn't tell me anything. Yeah. And I realized that I'm not going to be able to learn about myself through what people are telling me. Um, they don't even know what it is about me that is unique. They just know that I'm different. And I think with my time in 2020, I had so much free time um, because I was laid off and the job market was terrible. And I hadn't even realized that I had wanted to switch into product management at the time. Um, I found myself wrestling a lot internally, um, thinking about, you know, like, should I do this? Should I do that? Why do I want to do this? Why do I want to do that? What am I motivated yeah. by? Yeah. And these are really, really hard questions. And I think before the pandemic, people had many distractions that they could turn to so they didn't have to ask themselves that. I know yeah. I certainly had distractions that I could turn to, so I didn't have to face these questions. Yeah. But in the midst of the pandemic, I found myself not being able to turn to anything except these questions. And I didn't have any answers. And so I turned to God and I had to ask, like, why, why did you put me here in tech? Why did you put me here in San Francisco? Mm. Um, so even before I entered tech, I actually wanted to go into ministry. And mm. I still am willing to go into ministry. If God will pull me out of tech and do that, I'm willing. But um really never feeling super in control of things, um, I think has been a very common situation that I've found myself in. And I think that that honestly made it so much easier for me to look to God for my identity, um, yeah. look to God for, for answers for things that I hadn't um, had answers yet. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times people are so afraid of questioning God, like asking him questions. But I think that I found a lot of freedom in asking God questions in, um, and practically what that looks like, it would be um, through prayer, through reading the Bible, through therapy. Um, we're talking about mental health. And I think that God is so interested in my health, not just spiritually, but mentally, physically, emotionally. And I think th through the pandemic, I've really had to figure out what it is that I need to be healthy in these ways. Yeah. Um, so your second question was, was tips for people going through similar situations. I think everybody has a story to tell. Everybody is going to tell a story of how through whatever hardship or whichever trial they were going through that they met God or they got out of it somehow. And yeah. um, I think with people who are currently finding a job right now, it's, it, it's, it's the truth of, of the matter. The truth of the matter is that God loves you much more than you know and that nothing can separate you from the love of god mm. and that 
God has promised us that he gives us everything that we need for a life of godliness. Mm. And so everything that, 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 that we need, God will give to us in his time. Um, and I think it's so much easier to say that than to trust in it and believe in it, but yeah. practicing moving your heart to believe in these truths. Um, I think that this is co- coming to the edge of our faith into places where we're not even sure that we believe yet. And then expanding that um, is, is what I've learned to do in my hardships and in my trials. And I would encourage anybody who is still looking for a job, which includes myself, <laughs> that God has given us everything that we need for a life of godliness. Yeah. And if you need a job for a life of godliness, would God not give that to you? Mm. Like, there's just no way. So, yes, that is what I have to say. Um if anybody needs any more encouragement or prayer, now that I've asked God for a blessing of effective prayer, please hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Clubhouse at Irish. <laughs> That's a great answer. I think, you know, being grounded in the faith and in the Lord, <laughs> it's like if you're stripped of everything, you still have something, the greatest gift, you know? And I think a lot of re- religions are, you know, you must do, whereas Christianity is, it is done, as in Jesus paid the ultimate price. And if anything, if you're stripped of all your assets, your talents, your looks, your, you know, whatever it is, your relationships, your clout, you have solace in the fact that you are loved by God and you are a chosen um, child that's to be loved and cared for and you are all you need and i think from that the the expansion um into different perspectives and modalities and tropes especially within you know this intersectionality between mental and spiritual i feel like that's a great foundation for you to build off of you know and uh, it's great that you're able to keep that foundational understanding and, and putting your identity there uh, so that you can have this level of determinism to cut through the noise and then fall back to this understanding that you have with our relationship with, with the maker, you know? So that's really good. So I, I guess a, 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 a curveball, I'm going to throw you a curveball, Iris. What if people don't know Jesus? What if people don't know God? They don't understand the connections for, you know, spirituality that like overlaps with your you know mental health and they're not in a place to have this kind of foundational understanding that you know our father our spiritual father you know is there for us and and, and is within our corner and he will um, provide for us have provisions for us what would you say to those folks who are going through you know mental battles and who are looking for a job and who are kind of lost out there. If you identify as someone, and this is for our listeners, if you identify as someone who does not know Jesus and does not know God, I would love to talk to you. Um, 
I want to know why you're listening to this podcast. What brought you here? Clearly, this is not by accident. This is some something divine. And so I would love to talk to anyone who's listening who does not know Jesus or know God. Mm. Um, but that aside, what would I say to people who do not have essentially the hope that we have? I would say that everything that I said was still true. God still has given us everything that we need for a life of godliness. And that looks different for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I think that for people who are job searching, who don't know God, that even if, so, so something that someone, a manager has said to me is like, Iris, you're the type of person that if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. Yeah. And that to me was a given. And I hadn't realized that other people didn't think this way, but to me, I had always thought of myself as like the tortoise in the tortoise in the hare story, where <laughs> as long as you don't quit, you put in the hours, you just don't quit. You just keep going that there is going to be breakthrough at the end of it. It's mm. like, if I could think of the hardest subject that I could learn is like astrophysics or something, let's say. <laughs> I know nothing about astrophysics. I don't even know anything about physics. <laughs> but if I just put enough hours to it, if I literally do not quit studying astrophysics, I could get a degree. Like I truly believe that. And I think for anybody who is feeling hopeless, um, if you don't quit and you intentionally plan how you are going to attack this obstacle that is in your way, like, I truly think that you you can win if you just don't quit. So that's me. I'm never the hare. I'm just the tortoise. Got it. Got it. It's awesome. So essentially it's don't quit. Put your mind to it. Even if it takes a long time, don't give up. Stay consistent. Yes, definitely. Got it. And listeners, if you're out there and you're not Christian, then obviously you can talk with Iris. Go on Clubhouse at ISU. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm just going to throw that plug in every single time. Thank you for advocating for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and so you you have this perspective. You have the grit and the resilience and the fortitude, the, the ability to have a strong foundation, but also stay with something, even though it's difficult, even though it's painful, even though there's ups and downs, you're like, I'm going to stick with the race and I'm going to see it to the very end. It doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm going to get there. Um, so I, I know from a previous conversation and, and I think this was like 2016 or 2017. No, no, no. It was definitely 20. Was it 2018? You're going through a lot in that season. And I remember we had CG together as well. Maybe it was with Justin Yu, but um, we were in CG. I think we were going to CG together, and then I was a passenger in your car, and we were having a conversation. And I was like, hey, Iris, how's everything going? And you're like, well, everything isn't going great, and, and here's why. <laughs> and I remember, you know, 
you do have something called an autoimmune disorder, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, you are right. Got it. And that's a terminology that that is fairly well known. But I, you know, maybe I live in a bubble, but I don't know a lot of people in my immediate friend group that has something like an autoimmune disorder or not something like autoimmune disorder or some kind of debilitating or chronic um, illness or issue that affects your everyday life. So could you go a little bit more about your autoimmune disorder and how that's affected you uh, mentally, either for the better or for the worse? Yes. Um, I have Graves' disease, and that is an autoimmune disorder of my thyroid, which is a gland that everybody has on their neck. It's in the front of their neck, and it's a butterfly-shaped gland. And the condition that I have um, is hyperthyroidism, which means that my thyroid is producing too much hormone. The thyroid hormone is used for a lot of regulation purposes in your body. So yeah. things like body temperature, um, heart rate, calcium intake, metabolism, many of the very core sort of functionalities that you don't really think about too much. You just Jeez. assume that it works. Yeah. And um, the autoimmune part of the condition is that my immune system doesn't recognize my thyroid um, as, as something that is of my body. And so my autoimmune, or sorry, my immune system attacks my thyroid, which then causes it to overly produce the hormones. And so I have so many, I think, physical conditions. Um, I had so many physical conditions from it when I first was diagnosed. Yeah. So I had a ton of light sensitivity. I had really dry eyes. I had hand tremors and I um, had loss of muscle control. So sometimes I was walking down the street and I would just trip over myself. Um, or sometimes I'd be holding something and I would just drop it because I couldn't hold it for a split second. Um, I couldn't, um, because my hands are so shaky, I, I couldn't put on eyeliner or lipstick. Um, so there were a lot of things about it that didn't seem like too bad when you looked at each individual condition, um, the manifestation of my autoimmune disorder by itself, but adding everything together with like my brain fog and um, my eye conditions. Oh, there's something um, that I have is, which is Graves eye disease, which is when the Graves disease that I have affects my eye. And it's now decoupled into two separate conditions. So I'm actually a suspect for glaucoma at this point because my Graves' disease has increased the pressure in my eye on the strain on my optic nerve. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so there are just a lot of things that come with it. But uh, your question about how it has shaped me. Um, you know, before, before I was diagnosed with this, I... I thought that I was invincible and it, it didn't, it wasn't even something that I had actively thought. It was just something that I had assumed that I was in really healthy conditions because I went to the gym. I lifted weights. I did the occasional brisk walk. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is my form of cardio. And, you know, I was in my mid twenties. Um, and then to suddenly be diagnosed with this condition, this chronic illness, so to speak, I had so many, so many residual symptoms from starting to treat it. So when I took medication for it, I became hypothyroidic, which means that there was too little thyroid hormone in my body because of my medication. And so I was losing hair. Um, I was gaining weight very quickly because my metabolism was out of um, regulation. It was high and it was low. And yeah. every time I adjusted my medications, it would just be, I didn't know what to expect next. Yeah. Um, so it was really difficult to train for bodybuilding if I wanted to do that. It was really difficult to um, meal plan and figure out how many calories I should be eating. I didn't have a maintenance caloric intake anymore. Um, and so there were all the things that were suddenly associated with weight gain, like body image issues that I'd never dealt with before until none of my clothes fit me anymore. And I had to either wear stretchy clothes all the time or buy new clothes. Mm. And I really came face to face with my mortality in a way that I had taken, I had taken immortality for granted. I had taken my youth um, and the healthiness of my youth for granted. And I thought that yeah. this was something that I could sustain and have forever. Yeah. And so once I was diagnosed with this, I really had to learn how to physically take care of myself, um, eat really, really healthily because I couldn't afford to not eat healthy anymore. Mm. I had to put myself in the best position possible to get as much sleep as possible because I had restlessness and insomnia. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just something that I could push through anymore. Yeah. Like I actually had to be on a sleep schedule. I actually had to wear earplugs and an eye mask and get a mattress that is suitable for my body, get a pillow that is suitable for the way that I sleep. And I really had to invest in my physical health because otherwise it would take a toll on my mental health, mm. um, which it still did. I mean, can you imagine as a woman, like losing all your hair? I mean, I didn't lose all of it, but like seeing clumps of my hair come out in the shower yeah. I mean, I'm sure as a man, losing clumps of hair in the shower every time is also very worrisome. Yeah. But I was in my mid-20s and I was losing hair like I was in menopause or something. <laughs> and um, I had to use hair serums for the first time. I had to use um, infrared light for the first time. These are some things that um, women of a more mature age will use to make sure that they have healthy looking hair, they have full hair, things like that. But here I was in my mid twenties, you know, feeling frail, feeling so old and decrepit, like I was just wasting away and I couldn't do a single thing about it. Yeah. Um, and so I think in the midst of dealing with my autoimmune disorder, I realized that this is something that Jesus could identify with. 
it's like nobody in my immediate circle, none of my friends were going through something similar. Um, nobody was feeling the, the, the loss of invincibility in the way that I was. Mm. And I felt so alone in that. Yeah. But when you think about Jesus, Jesus did the exact same thing. He was God. And then he became a baby. He decided to be born out of a womb. And he grew up. And then his body was beaten and bruised. And he died. If that's not a loss of invincibility, I don't know what else is. Mm. And I think I found a lot of solace in identifying with Jesus, um, or at least the fact that Jesus could identify with me. Mm, And, you know, we sing these songs on Sundays of like, you know, just to know him and his suffering. Um, Or, you know, if the altar is where you meet us, like take me there. Um, You know, we sing these things about being an offering and things like that. And I think Jesus really lived that with his body. He Mm. lived that with his life. And I think in my weakness, in the weakness of my frame, I got closer to Jesus. Um, At least I'd like to think. I think he would say the same. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not sure. I just know what I think. (laughs) Um, And... I think there are so many, so many ways that I began to, to find comfort in, in my identification with Jesus. Um, you know, I, I, we, we talk and we joke about clout and tech and, you know, I joke about how I'm building clout on Clubhouse and things like that. But if, if all of this was gone in an instant and I, you know, was never hireable in tech again for some reason. Um, I would still find solace in the fact that 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 Jesus did not consider his own deity, his own being of God, as something to be grasped, as mm. as something to to claw at and to to make sure that that was something he had. Like he willingly gave that up. And even though I don't have a choice with my autoimmune disorder of whether or not I'm affected by it. Yeah. Like we sing these songs and we pray these prayers. And do we actually mean that? Are we actually willing to, are we okay with being a sacrifice? Because being a sacrifice means that you, you lose something and you don't get it back or you might not get it back. And I think I, I had to really level with a lot of, the things that we were singing or the things that we were praying and really challenging myself with, like, am I okay if I didn't get this back? Like, am I okay if my hair didn't grow back? Am I okay with not ever being able to keep my body physically the way that I want it to? Am I okay with this weight gain? Am I okay with the frailty of my life? Um, and I think it was, it was very, very humbling, but I think I've, I've come out of it 
much more strong spiritually and mentally. And I think that that will then um, translate into my physical health. Like I truly believe that I will come out of this and I, my autoimmune condition will be in remission. Um, I think I, I will be healthy at some point in time. Like I truly believe that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for telling your story, Iris. I remember when you told it for the first time, and I think there's so many layers to this. I mean, you know, people losing jobs and searching for identity in their jobs is one thing. And, and, and finding complete solace in the Lord where you shave off everything. Can you be mentally sound and spiritually sound with the knowledge that you are a chosen child of God is one thing. But then there's this added layer of you going through this autoimmune disease, which had mental, spiritual, and physical effects on your body. It took tolls that you didn't think that you would have to deal with in your early 20s, or sorry, mid-20s. And and now that, you know, you, you have so many different aspects of life that you have to consider. And, and, and with that, you have come to terms with your mortality and actually memento mori is one of my favorite uh, Latin terms amongst some others. Um, and the feeling of loneliness, I think I, I think that's what triggered it for me. It's just like when I found out my brother had schizophrenia and I was going through it and not that I had Graves disease, but I think there were so many layers and so many fronts I was dealing with. And it was to the point where I couldn't explain it. Like no one would under truly understand what I was experiencing at that point, you know? And it's like overwhelming. Like it's like a sensory overload, spiritual overload, mental overload, physical overload. So not saying that like I completely, truly, honestly know and can be in your shoes of what it feels like to have this autoimmune disorder. I can at least sit with you and, and, halfway understand in solidarity what it means at a conceptual level of just being overloaded and experiencing all of this and realizing your own mortality and having no one else to truly connect with or connect to. Um, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head of like, it all goes back to Jesus. It all goes back to, to God and, you know, his life that he's lived to be closer to us and to understand the temptations and flaws and the shortcomings of humanity and for him to walk through that alone himself and bear the cross and bleed out to death is one of the most beautiful, you know, if you're not Christian, one of the most beautiful stories that a lot of secular people hear. And um, yeah, I, I mean, Maybe I, I rambled on for a little bit too long, but I just appreciate the fact that you've had these personal misfortunes, as do a lot of folks, you know, saints, the listeners. Um, but you've taken a step back and done the work to really dig deep, even though it's tough, and, and figure out what really does matter, what doesn't matter. And what am I going to do when these situations occur that's either outside of my control or something that was just placed on my lap from far left field? 
and it's it's you know mental health is a complicated thing and then you have physicality spirituality and then you know something like graves disease it's tough to tackle to be honest and i think that's why people get overwhelmed um but i i'm just honestly floored by you know just your interpretation and your perspective of this having lived out your life till 29 and uh, still able to joke about it and have humor behind it but at the end of the day the name of the game is if everything was taken away from you and most importantly your clubhouse account was taken away (laughs) from you that your your mental sanity and your spiritual health will still be there and i think that's that's so good to hear and i and hopefully the listeners get something out of that too um because i feel like in this generation and this time we tie our self-worth and our mental health and our spirituality to a lot of things um and we create these toxic relationships and and, and build these separate gods that we place on a mm-hmm. pedestal and i think that also impedes our ability to stay mentally and spiritually healthy. But yeah, I mean, is there, is there anything else you wanted to say before we uh, log off this session? Yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk about a bit of sort of the practical aspects of what it looks like to pursue mental health. Let's do um, this. The reason why I'm on this whole health journey is I'm partly because physically I need to be pursuing health um, in that aspect. Yeah. But I also have come to realize that we, we need to actually intentionally pursue health in a holistic way. Um, we need to give ourselves everything that we need to, to put ourselves in the best place possible to be physically healthy, mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy. And practically what that looks like for me, um, you know, in addition to interacting with God, reading the word, asking him questions, um, questioning him and and not believing him, but being honest with him about that. um, Prayer, like in addition to these things, I um, started going to therapy in 2019 and I think being able to address a lot of my life happenings and unpacking a lot of the baggage that I have has also really helped me. And I think that everybody should give therapy a try. Um, I have been trying to put all of my friends onto therapy Um, I think it's so important to be able to have a space to talk about things that you want to talk about and also talk about things that you don't want to talk about. And when you talk about something that you actually don't want to talk about, there's actually something there. There's a reason why you don't want to talk about it, at least personally speaking. um, And, you know, shout outs to an ex-lover of mine that put me onto therapy because otherwise I would have never considered it. there was this period of time when I saw my therapist that I had a panic attack every the hour before I was supposed to see him. Oh and then gosh. I'd call this 
this lover of mine at the time on the phone and I would tell him, can you please tell my therapist I'm not coming? I'm not coming. Don't make me do this. Like I'm not going. Oh my gosh. And I'd be sobbing on the phone. I would plead with him to just tell my therapist this because I can't talk to him. Just tell him. And you know, credits to my lover. He would say like, you're going to have to tell him yourself if you really don't want to go to therapy, but you need to go to therapy and you need to talk about things that you mm. don't want to talk about. Yeah. And it wasn't until I accepted that there were things I needed to address. Um, and I had to ask myself the question of like, do I want to address these things or do I want to um, keep them sealed forever and just not talk about it? Yeah. Um, I had to come to terms with that, that I was able to, to go to therapy without having a panic attack. <laughs> and I was able to uncover a lot of trauma, a lot of baggage that I previously had just never talked about yeah. because I didn't know how to address them. I didn't know who to talk to or what to even say, where to begin. Yeah. And I think it's so important to be able to have someone who is professionally trained to be able to do that for you. Yeah. And so practically, I think pursuing mental health for me looks like going to therapy. Um, and even, even navigating the healthcare system in of itself was such a pain and such a struggle of yeah. finding a therapist and deciding who was right for me and, you know, the costs and all of that, but I'm more than, I'm not a medical professional, by the way, or any professional of any sort at this point, <laughs> but anything that I've learned about navigating the healthcare system, especially when it comes to um, seeing specialists or seeing doctors or like paying bills and things like that, because I've had to deal with that for my Graves disease and for therapy. If yeah. anybody is just that is their barrier to entry in terms of seeking mental health services or physical health services. Like I, I'm more than happy to just offer my time and effort as a resource. I'm not saying expertise because I'm not saying I'm an expert, but I'm just more than happy to be an accountability, um, help you navigate through your healthcare plans or figure out what is available for you. We can just look things up together. Like that's all I can offer. I'm, I'm not a hare. I'm a tortoise, but I just won't quit. Oh man. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I think that as you mentioned, it's, it's great to connect your spirituality with your mental health, but taking a holistic approach and not shying away from, you know, usually a lot of Asian Americans, essentially, you know, mental health wasn't a thing, you know, for the older generations. And it's tough for people to get into it and to even find practical ways to bridge that gap that has, you know, caused so many people to get into a mental health issue where, you know, if, if only they looked for solutions and found a therapist, you know, maybe a lot of their issues i wouldn't say wouldn't have been completely solved but you could have put an, a name to it you could have labeled it and you could have brought it under your control in a way it's where it's more manageable right and, and i think it's important for people to know that the holistic approach 
is good. And you have to set yourself up for success. It's not like you wake up one day and you say, mm-hmm. mental health, be better. Or like mental illness, be gone. Depression, be gone. Suicidal thoughts, be gone. Um, so that's great. Could you, before we log off this session, I was talking about like you, you mentioned navigating uh, the healthcare system because it's pretty shitty in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the times. Mm-hmm as like one of the top barriers, um, as well as just finding um, a qualified therapist that also, uh, you know, sets you up for success as in finding the right person. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are two of the biggest, I guess, barriers to entry for finding the therapist that you need. Um, So could you dig slightly a little bit more on that? Like what are maybe like, top two traps that people can avoid or top two things that they should do when they're starting off and, and they say, Hey, look, I want to find a, a therapist with my health care plan. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest lies that people just have automatically bought into because people have just said it so many times is that seeing a therapist is so expensive And anytime there's a blanket statement like that, you just know most of the time that blanket statements aren't true all the time. Yeah, yeah. So seeing a therapist can be really expensive, but it can also be affordable. And it really depends on the type of plan that you have. And so a lot of times we don't look at what our healthcare plans provide to us because we know that our healthcare plans and the healthcare system is so complicated and we don't trust ourselves in being able to navigate it. Yeah. And so that's why we just never look into it and we never um, try. And so that's why I'm offering myself as a resource. We can look through your employee handbook or your healthcare plan uh, evidence of coverage together and like figure out what this <laughs> means. If there's anything we can't figure out, we can just call the number and ask them. But like, it really just does take that effort of like looking at what your healthcare plan provides for you and then seeing if that fits in your financial budget. Yeah. Um, and the second thing is a lot of people I think are afraid of seeking therapy because they're not used to telling their deepest, darkest secrets to anybody or yeah. talking about themselves. But and, 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 you know, finding a, the right person is, is a whole nother journey too. But I think that the, the, the biggest thing that I've learned is that my therapist is, is for me. He advocates for me. He teaches me to advocate for myself. At some point in time, I keep telling my therapist this. Like at some point in time, I'd love to, I'd love to stop seeing you. Like I'd love to be able to advocate for myself in a way that is so mature that I can do that and that I can unpack things by myself. Like I'd love to be able to do that. And so I I think that a lot of times when people think about therapists, they automatically don't trust them because they're strangers or they just don't know what they're about. Like, I don't want some sort of like hooey fooey hypnotic, like (laughs) trick played on me, you know, but really like mental health, services they they should be there for you to support you 
um, not to just take your money. And again, like I'm more than happy to just come alongside anybody looking for services, giving services a try. Um, you might not find the right therapist in your first go, but like, what did you like about your therapist? What didn't you like about it, him or her? And then going on from there, it's, it's definitely a journey. And a lot of people don't have anybody to go on that journey with, which is why I'm offering. If you don't have anybody in your corner to go through this journey with you and finding the things that you need to be healthy, like I'll, I'll do that the best that I can. I'm not an expert. I'm not a professional. But anything that I can do, I'll I'll do it. Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Irish U is not only a a tech guru and a product management guru on Clubhouse. She will help you out with your healthcare needs. And there's so much more. But it is that time, Iris. Thank you so much for coming on. I think just to recap, you know, uh, one, grit and resilience comes with the understanding deep inside that you are a love child of God. And anchoring yourself in that foundational belief is kind of what helps you progress forward and be able to expand kind of your vision and to take steps forward, even though, you know, things come your way that, you know, strips things away from your own uh, ego and, 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 and pride and, and secular desires. And I think too, the autoimmune disease, I mean, you told me about it, but Graves disease, I just didn't know how debilitating it was and how many facets uh, of your life it really affected. And it's great to know that you've, you know, come back stronger. And, and I know that like, it's a constant battle that you're having. So it's not like you've won it over, um but you know just the level of optimism that you have about it and and how you've masterfully come to terms with the fact that you're not immortal and 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 this affects you on a day-to-day basis but you still intentionally find ways to progress forward and and thirdly you know in respect to the last point about mental health you have to take a holistic approach and you know the taboos and the blockers that are usually in place for people searching for therapy that shouldn't be the reason why you don't go for therapy and and, and so with that said i just really like this conversation because there was a lot of intersectionality between the spiritual physical and the mental and 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 perspectives from you personally on you know, being mentally sound, but also working towards a more holistic approach to uh, mental health. So thank you so much for your time, Iris. How did you feel, by the way? Just like the past hour or so we've been talking. I feel, I feel good about what I've said so far. I think that I have a lot more to share. You're going to have to put me on for part two Mm because I need, people to know that God has my back and that I got a job. Um, (laughs) Worst case is that like the worst case for my life, I think would be, well, number one stuck in this perpetual job search for the rest of my life. But this one, I think (laughs) I would just try to find something else. If it really feels like I'm not going anywhere. 
<laughs> but second thing, um, if the worst case for my life is that I sink into some physically debilitating state, but I'm still alive, there must be some plan for me then. Otherwise, God could just kill me and take me home and I'd be done with this whole thing and I'd be quite happy about that. <laughs> Dying is the, one of the better options because Paul says to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I truly believe that. And so I feel good about everything that I've said so far. I have many more things to share, which is why people should follow me on Clubhouse <laughs> or, or find me somewhere else online. Um, but I, I will declare if I'm ever on this podcast again for part two, I will talk about how God brought me to a job and how he has healed me or is healing me physically. And if he isn't healing me physically, what I'm learning about that, any takeaways that I have, because I always have a ton of takeaways. I think I'm very introspective and I think that's one of my gifts. Definitely. I second everything you said. Elphine, that was a great way to finish off the podcast. And of course, we'll have you back on in a couple of months or maybe, you know, in half a year's time. And hopefully then Saints of San Francisco would have, will have uh, evolved too as well for the better. And if not for the better, then at least um, continuing on into, you know, ad infinitum into eternity and someone else will take over when I die. At the right age <laughs> of 55. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Iris, uh, for coming on, for uh, giving us your insight, your wisdom, and talking a little bit about your own personal story and your mental health journey. And with that, Saints, we're tuning out. We'll see you next time. Hey Saints, thanks for tuning in. We'll be releasing episodes on the first three Saturdays of every month. See you soon.